Well, listen, I, uh, I had an opportunity to sit down with, uh, with my parents, and we were just telling stories. And maybe if you don't appreciate your parents, there'll come a, a season and a time when you do. You look back over life, and you get to share old stories and reminisce. And I was recently spending time with my parents up in Ohio, and my mom told me a story I don't think I've ever heard before. And she told me that my dad almost missed the birth of one of my brothers. Not mine, because I'm the youngest, and everybody knows the youngest is the favorite. Where's, where's my young people at? But, but... Uh, the time came during the wee hours of the morning. My mom went into labor. She's ready to go to the hospital, and she's trying to get my dad out of bed. Jerry, we got to go. Jerry, you got to get up. You have to take me to the hospital. And no matter how much she poked and prodded and yelled at him, like there was just a season, she, he just would not get out of bed. Thankfully, he did eventually get up, get her to the hospital, and uh, the baby was delivered fine. But here's what's funny is my mom telling this story. said, if I had that to do over again, like, I would have just called a cab or got in the car and drove myself and then just, like, called and let him know he had a new son and that he missed out. Come on. Has anybody here, I wonder, have you, ever, have you ever slept through something significant? Have you ever slept through, have you ever missed an appointment, right? Maybe you had an exam and you, you slept through it, your alarm kept going off and you kept hitting snooze and you missed your exam, missed a job interview, maybe missed an important appointment. Maybe some of you are home watching from home, right, because you meant to come to church, but you overslept. I think there's times in all of our lives that kind of we miss significant moments. We sleep through them. Well, there is a story that's found in the New Testament. It's towards the end of the life of Jesus. In fact, it's about 24 hours before Jesus lays down his life. He knew that was always his mission. He was clear from the get-go. He was clear out of the gate that his role was always to come and to lay his life down and be a ransom for many. And so the hour's approaching. He's getting ready. The moment is getting heavy. And he takes his disciples and he takes them to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. It's just just this little place. And he's trying to find this quiet place where he can spend time with the Father as he prepares to carry the weight and the sin of the world. And he has his disciples with him and he tells his disciples these words. He says, stay awake and pray. Everybody say, stay awake. Come on, one, two, three, stay awake. He says, I want you to stay awake and pray. And so the disciples are there, and he goes away by himself, and he starts to pray. And he comes back not too long later, and he finds that the disciples are they're sleeping. And he gives them the exact same instruction. Stay awake and pray. And Jesus slides off again, and he comes back, and one more time, the disciples are sleeping. And you see this thing kind of keep happening, and What you find is Jesus is trying to impress on his disciples the importance of not allowing your sleepiness to cause you to miss significance. The reason this is important is because Jesus is not the only person to kind of give us as Christ followers this warning. In fact, six different times you find in the New Testament this warning, stay awake. Come on, everybody say that, one, two, three, stay awake. Over and over again, we're admonished, we're warned, we're challenged to stay awake. And what he means by this is it doesn't mean just literally sleeping. It means living your life distracted. It means missing what matters. It means missing what you should be focused on. It means kind of going through life with your eyes closed. It means missing the big moments. It means not maximizing why you're here. Stay awake. Stay awake. And what I have found is, unfortunately, and this is where we're going to go today, is that there are way too many Christians who have tapped out because they're tired. We have fallen asleep, and we're missing some significance that I think that God has for us. And so we've been in this series uh, entitled Minding Your P's and Q's. Now, Minding Your P's and Q's, again, is maybe a little older term some of us are familiar with, and we found on week one that 
to mind your P's and Q's is basically this challenge just to mind what matters, to keep your eyes on the detail. Again, it's this call to stay awake. That if you're not careful and I'm not careful, it's easy for life to put us on a track that while we're waking up and we're doing things, we're not always doing what matters and we're not always paying attention to the things we should. And we tend to <sighs> fall asleep on what matters. And so we've been looking at this, uh, this key section of scripture because the goal of this series, if you don't know, has been to talk about our core values. As a church, as a faith community, like what are we about? Not just what am I here for, what are we here for? What should we be staying focused on? What should be the thing that we're minding our P's and Q's about? And we've been talking about as a church, and this has been our core values since I've been here for 10 years, that we're here to reach, connect, grow, and serve. We're here to reach people who are far from God. We're to connect them in a relationship with God and a relationship with each other. We're here to grow in our spiritual journey, and we're here to find our purpose and our place on planet Earth, and we're here to serve God with our very best. Come on, somebody. Is anybody thankful that we got a focus and a goal and a mission? And so I want us to lean into a section of scripture that we have read every week through this series. And it's a conversation because, again, it highlights the ease of us to get off track, to make other things that are important or not, that are not really important and miss the things that matter. And in this city called Corinth, there's a church that's planted, and they started missing what matters, and they kind of got caught up in cliques. If you have found that there are cliques in church, unfortunately, we've been struggling with them for 2,000 years. What will cause you to walk in a clique is when you're not focused on what matters. And so the Apostle Paul is addressing how there are people inside of the church and there's this tension and division based on who their favorite teacher is, who their favorite church is, who their favorite pastor is. And people are tending to pull based on the direction of the person that led them to Jesus. And so Paul has this conversation of bringing us back to what really matters, that it's not Team Paul, it's not Team Apollos, it's not Team Pastor Steve, it's Team Jesus. And we're all on the same team. And I want us to lean into this together in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. I would love us just to read this together. He says this, Paul, he says, After all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We're only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Everybody say good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. And it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. And the one who plants and the one who waters, they work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and we are God's field and you are God's building. So what we've been talking again about through this series is through this section of scripture, what the apostle Paul does is he should be bringing us back to like, what matters? Why are we here? What should be our focus? And through the P's and Q's, what we found out in week one is ultimately we found out this, we found out the plan of God. That God's business really is brokenness, that he hurts when he looks at a broken, hurting, destructive, sinful, overwhelmed, anxious, divided world. And God cares about you and he cares about me and he cares about us. And he has a plan to redeem us, to fix us, to repair us, to reconnect us with our creator and reconnect us with each other. And God is busy about that plan. Come on, is anybody thankful that there is good news? That's what Paul said, good news. Good news, you don't have to be broken anymore. Good news, we don't have to be divided anymore. Good news, you don't have to be disconnected from your creator anymore. There's good news. And we talked about not just the plan of God, we talked about the person of God that out of all the ways you can understand who God is, all of the pictures that scripture paints, 
about our creator, that he's good, that he's just, that he's kind, that he's faithful, that he's holy. The one of the things we found out about God right here in this section of scripture is Paul highlights that the God we serve is collaborative, which means he invites you and I to be a part of his plan to redeem humanity, that while God can do it without us, God chooses us to invite us in and give us significance and a purpose and a plan to partner with him to do something incredible. And then last week we found out about the purpose of God, that God's purpose is that as God's seed gets planted in you, every time you hear the word, every time you read your devotions, every time you show up in church, every time you tune in online, that that's God's seed, God's word is seed. And every time God's seed gets in your heart, it doesn't matter who plants it, it doesn't matter that it comes from me, it doesn't matter who waters it, who kind of highlights it. It's that ultimately when God's word gets in your life, he wants to make it, everybody say grow. We ought to be growing together. We ought to be moving forward in our faith. And so today, what I wanna do is I wanna highlight and I wanna lean into kind of this next idea today, I wanna to talk about the promise of God. Anybody thankful we got a God who has some promises for us and he is faithful and true. He's the yes and the amen. Come on, what he says he's gonna do. Listen to this verse again, verse eight in the section we just read. I want every voice, every campus, I want us to read this out loud together. You ready? One, two, three, go. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Say it again. And both will be rewarded. Everybody shout that word rewarded. Rewarded for their own hard work. There is this idea that's painted throughout the pages of scripture that I want us to talk about today. And it's this idea that at the end of the age, at the end of the day, when your last, when your last second ticks by on your life, that ultimately we're gonna be rewarded by God for the life we've lived, for the faithfulness we've walked in, for the sacrifices we've made, for the way we've give, given. And I don't know if you all know this, but it's not always easy to serve Jesus. Come on, can I get an Amen. It's not always easy to love the unlovable. It's not always easy to forgive the person who hurt us. It's not always easy to make time to read the word. It's not always easy to show up to church. It's not always easy to get sacrificial. But what you need to know is when you sacrifice and when you've gave, when you've been found faithful, you have a God one day when you stand before him, he will reward you for your faithfulness. Everybody say rewarded. If you're taking notes, listen to this. There is an eternal reward for a temporary work. There is an eternal reward for a temporary work. As long as you're alive on planet earth, you have an opportunity to partner with God in his plan to redeem humanity. As long as you're partnering with him, man, you're, you're storing up treasure. And this idea is found everywhere in scripture. This idea that there's a reward. Jesus challenges us and he tells us, hey, don't get so busy buying new stuff and bigger stuff and shinier stuff here, but store up treasure in heaven. Make sure you got a reward on the other side. Jesus tells parables and he, he has a conversation one time with, uh, with his disciples and he tells this guy who's loaded, he's got fat stacks, he's popping Benji's, he's got more money than he knows what to do with. And Jesus tells him, hey, you gotta get rid of all your money. And it's not that God has a, a problem with people having money, it's when people make money more important than God. And this guy has elevated money over Jesus. And so he's like, hey, the money's got to go. Well, the disciples are like, oh, we can't have no money. And they ask this question, who then can be saved? If you have to be poor to go to heaven, we know people that got money, who can be saved? And Jesus says this, y'all got to hear this. Jesus says, and everyone who's given up houses and property and mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters for my sake will receive a hundredfold and eternal life. Come on, everybody shout reward. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew chapter 25, and he says this. He says, and this is a parable he tells several different ways, several different times. In Matthew chapter 25, it's called the parable of the talents. 
And basically the way Jesus tells this story is that there's a man who basically owns a mega corporation, a Fortune 500. And he goes on a long trip and he leaves his employees in charge. And one day the owner of the company is coming back and he wants to see what did my employees do with my stuff. And basically it's a picture that Jesus was here. He ascended back to the father and he left his people, you and I in charge. And he's given us gifts and time and talent and treasures. And one day he's going to come back. Come on. I said, Jesus is going to come back and he wants to know what did we do with what we gave him or with what he gave us. He's going to judge us based on what we did reward. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says that one day our entire lives will stand before the Father. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And every Christ follower, we're given an account of our lives and based on who we are and what we have and what he's given us, based on your time, your talent, and your treasure, he's gonna say, what did you do with what I gave you? And Paul makes it very clear that some of us will have missed opportunities and lost reward. And while some of us will not have missed the opportunity, but leverage it and gain reward. And you see it everywhere you look is reward, reward, reward. The challenge is, I think as we go through this, I think some of us are going to miss our reward is because we're sleeping instead of serving. Here's what Paul says. Watch this. Galatians chapter six. verse. I got to say this because someone might take me out of context later. Let me just say this real quick before we get to this verse. When we talk about the reward, I'm not talking about the gift of salvation. God's gift of salvation is something that nobody can earn. Where you spend eternity is God's gift. How you spend eternity is your work, which means Jesus paid the entire price for all of us all the way to give us a gift we could never earn. Through his sacrifice, he paid for our sins so we could have the gift of salvation that we could be reconnected to our heavenly father, a gift we can never lose. Come on, somebody. Is anybody thankful for that? That determined you get to spend eternity with him in a new paradise where everything that's been broken will be restored. But how we experience that eternity is going to be based in part in how you live this life. That's reward. And then he says this, Galatians 6, 9. Y'all ready? Everybody read it together. So let's not get (sighs) tired. Let's not get, uh, let's not get, uh, I know it's been a rough morning. So let's not get tired. Don't get so sleepy. Don't allow your sleepiness to cause you to miss your significance. So let's not get tired of doing what's good, doing what's right, walking in your purpose, walking in your call. Let's not get tired of doing what's good at just the right time. Come on, say this. We will reap a harvest. We will get a reward, a blessing if we don't give up. But here's what I have found again is a lot of Christians we've tapped out because we're tired. Why are we so tired? What's causing us to get so sleepy? I want to give you a couple of things that I hope maybe will change the way you think and will help us be better and not miss what God has for us. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I think the reason some of us are so tired, some of us are so, so sleepy is because our goals don't align with God's grace. What I mean by that is this, that when you talk about the word grace, everybody say grace. As church people, we tend to think of the word forgiveness. We equate grace with forgiveness. The word grace means gift. And while God's forgiveness is one of his graces or his gifts, it's not the only gift God gives. Another way the word talks about the word grace, when God's word talks about a grace, 
what God's word means is that you have a grace upon your life, that you have a gift and you have a talent and you have a call and your gifts, your talents, your calls and purposes are different than mine. God has given me different graces than he's given you. Here's why that's important. It's because when you're graced to do something, you're graced to do it with a lot more ease than I can do it. Well, I can learn maybe what you know. I can take in the knowledge that you have, and I might even be able to learn the trade that you know, but I can't do it near as good as you because you have God's grace on your life. Is anybody with me? Let me give you an example. The Bible tells us that the, there's a gift called hospitality. You, some of you in this room, like, it's, that's your gift. You love it when people come to your house. You're the type of person, people come to your house, like you're prepared for them to get there. You did some research and you found out what their favorite food is. Come on, y'all know who you are. You're the people that you have gift bags for your guests when they leave. And then there's the rest of us that don't have the gift of hospitality. We don't like people coming to our house. If you come to our house unannounced, even though we're there, there's a good chance we won't even open the door. And if you open the door, probably the best you're gonna get is like a half a bag of busted up, like some, some scraps of some potato chips. Come on, how many people got the gift of hospitality? How many people don't? Again, when you watch people who have the gift of hospitality, it's just a grace. They make it look easy. When you see athletes who are naturally talented, who have a gift, I'm not saying they don't train or work hard, but I'm saying the gift of coordination and athleticism they have is a gift. They make playing basketball or playing whatever sport, they make it look easy. Cheerleaders make tumbling look easy, not because they didn't work hard, it's because they have a grace for it. God's word says that there are gifts of administration or leadership. Some of you aren't called to serve or you're not called to lead. You're just called to be in a place of support. Some people have the gift of leadership. I can run this organization in this church because God's, it's not just me. It's because there's a grace upon my life to do what God's called me to do. Everybody say grace. You have a grace. The other night, this might weird some of you out, but I love math and I'm just naturally gifted. I think math. I see math. The other night I got caught on a TikTok live video for an hour watching this dude work calculus problems. And I loved every minute of it. I know some of you are like, we need to pray for our pastor. What's wrong with that person? but I'm trying to stay ahead of this dude. And you got to take the natural log or you got to take the log or you got to find, you know, why I'm just, I, it's, you know, some of you aren't good at math because it's just not your natural gift. What I'm telling you is, is that when you came into this world, God created you and made you and he put a very specific call and a very specific purpose and a very specific gift set on you. And when you spend your entire life operating on your goals instead of his goal, then you won't have a natural grace on your life, which is why you're always tired because you're always living life on your terms instead of his terms. But if you'll get back to your purpose and your call while you're here, if you'll quit sleeping on serving, I'm telling you, you will find a strength that God has for you if you'll walk in grace. Everybody shout grace. Why are you here? Because you have a grace. You got a purpose. And a lot of us are tired and tapped out and worn out because we're not walking in the grace that God's put on our life. Another reason I think that a lot of us are tired, just real quick side note if you're taking notes, is because our rest doesn't always come from God's renewing. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Does everybody here, do you know that there's a difference between sleeping and resting? Anybody here, have you ever gone, or Lawrenceburg, have you ever gone to sleep one night and you slept, but you woke up and somehow you was more tired when you woke up than when you went to bed? How do you, because there's a difference between sleeping and resting. And while God has given our bodies this incredible ability to heal itself, and ultimately it does a lot of that while you're sleeping. I believe God does miracles. I believe God can heal the sick. I believe that doctors are amazing, and I'm thankful for the gift that nurses and 
people in, medic, uh, in the medical field are to help heal our bodies, but God gave your body, because the word says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God gave your body the ability to heal itself. And that happens oftentimes while you're sleeping. But at the end of the day, you can sleep and sleep and sleep and not do anything with the heaviness that's on your mind. Sometimes you can get a lot of sleep and not ever really be able to catch up. You still feel like you're worn out. Well, I want you to know that there's a promise that God makes us, that God can give us a spiritual rest. Come on, I believe what I'm about to tell you. I believe there are times that we can lean into God's presence. I believe we can show up in church and sit in his presence and worship and go after him listening to his word. And even though we got up early and fought our kids to get here, we can leave refreshed because he said, come on, all of us that seek him, we're going to find him. He said, if you come and you spend some time with me, he said, if you'll come and lean into me, he said, I'll renew your strength. I'll mount you up on wings like eagles. You'll run and you'll not grow weary. You'll walk and you'll not grow faint. Come on, somebody. I believe some of us, the reason we're so tired and worn out is because we're not spending enough time with the one who can renew us. And so when you are operating outside of your grace and you're chasing goals that aren't a part of his plan, I'm just telling you, you're just going to live this life tapped out and tired. You'll sleep through serving and you'll miss your reward. If you don't take time periodically to lean into God purposely, Bible says he's our Sabbath rest. You say, how does that work? Like, I understand going to sleep and waking up. Like, pastor, what do you, I, I'm just telling you, he just makes this promise. If you, if you pursue him, if you lean into him, that somehow just being in his presence, it just renews us. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Everybody shout rest. We need rest. But I think at the end of the day, and this is what I want you to hear, because here's the Apostle Paul's warning. Here's what he's telling us is there is a reward for us. But so many of us are sleeping instead of serving. We've tapped out because we're tired. Here's what I want you to hear. He says, ultimately, it's our focus that helps us fight the fatigue. If you want to press on and you want to engage and you want to lock in and you want to walk in the partnership that we can all have with God, if we want to find significance, if we want to walk in our purpose, then at some point, all of us in this room, all of you in Lawrenceburg, all of you in the shoals, come on together, we got to put a new focus in our life. And that's what helps us fight the fatigue. Here's what Paul said again. Paul said, listen, don't grow weary. Don't get tired of doing good. Well, how do I, how do I fight fatigue? Because you got to know. You got to keep your eye on the prize. That I know that there is coming a harvest. I know if I keep on, if nobody sees it, See, I know some of you in a season of weariness and man, you're pressing and working and you're doing motherhood and you're students and you're trying to find your call and you're trying to walk after Jesus. And man, sometimes it's lonely. And somebody, sometimes nobody's co-signing your journey. Sometimes nobody's supporting you, but they're on you. They're giving you a hard time. And sometimes you might want to give up and sometimes you might want to tap out. And God's promise is, listen, keep on keeping on. Keep on pushing. Keep on plowing. Keep on making the right decision. Keep on making the hard call. Keep on sacrificing for me. And God says, when nobody else knows it, nobody else sees it, God says, I see it all. And when you stand before me, I will say the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on into the inheritance that I have for you. Come on. And so we got to fight our fatigue with a new focus. There's a... There's a lady, her, her story's pretty interesting. And it's a lot greater than the story I'm gonna share, just a snapshot of her story. Her name was Florence Chadwick. She was a female swimmer in the 40s and 50s. She was one of the first, at least names on the radar of female long distance swimmers. Florence Chadwick, I think it was in 1950, she swam the English Channel. And she not only swam it, but once she swam the English Channel, which at its most narrow point is about 21 miles, yeah, that's all. 
She rested for a little while and she swam it back. When she swam it the first time, she broke the world record for it being swam. And when she swam it back, she broke her previous record. And so Florence Chadwick was always looking to up her game. She was always looking to do something bigger and better. And so the next swim that was on her radar happened in 1952. She decided to see if she could swim 26 miles from the coast of California to Catalina Island. And she waded out into the cold, frigid waters, and she began to stroke. There were two boats, one on each side, that flanked her in her swim, there to encourage her, to cheer her on, to make sure she was safe, protect her from sharks, which is a good idea. Man, stroke after stroke after stroke, she's breaking mile after mile after mile on her way to Catalina Island. At about the 15th hour, this heavy fog set in, she tells a story. So much so, she could barely see the boats beside her, much less the shore in front of her. And she swam, and she started getting tired, and she started wanting to give up. And she swam for about another hour. She made it to about the 16-hour mark. And finally, she gave up, and she said, I can't make it. And she got into the boat so discouraged that she didn't make it to her goal. And when she got in there, she found out that she quit less than one mile from the shoreline. She was almost there, but she just couldn't see it. Two months later, Florence Chadwick got in the waters one more time for the Pacific. And the same thing happened. A fog came. She couldn't see. But her story says this. I determined when I got in the water this time that I would keep a mental picture of the coastline, that regardless if I couldn't see it with my eyes, I could see it with my mind, and I would keep swimming till I got there. What she said is, I'm not going to allow my sleepiness to miss my significance. I'm not going to tap out and be tired and miss the coastline. Come on, somebody. God's called us to do something great. But if you're too tired and you're too busy and you're living life on your terms, you'll miss the best that God has for you. And you'll miss the reward that God wants to bless you with. And so the challenge today is this. We have to be a church. We're called to be a church to partner with God and his plan. And so I want to invite you as a church, we do this through serving. And what's funny is I hear so many people say, Pastor, I would love to serve, but man, you don't know. I work so hard all week and man, I show up Sunday like that's my only day to rest. I'm just telling you, you're resting on the wrong day. Because if you'll lock in and you'll engage and you'll find your place, there'll be a renewing for you. There'll be a grace on your life. I'm not saying there's never, not you don't have to put any effort, but you'll find an effectiveness and an ease in serving. And so if you don't serve here, man, we're glad you're here. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for hanging out. It's, our, it's my privilege to be your pastor. We love coming alongside of you. But here's what I want you to do. At some point, this has to stop being your hotel and has to stop, start being your home. You know the difference between a hotel and a home? A hotel takes care of you, fixes your breakfast and fluffs your pillow and makes your bed. Homes, you take care of homes. And this is the place like, I just show up and they got my coffee made and someone just ushers me to my seat and I just sit down and eat a good spiritual meal and go home and woo. Go ahead, keep doing you, boo. You're missing some reward. You're missing some grace to walk in. And somebody say, Pastor, I'm busy running a business. Lie, we can't do what we do without your generosity. And that's a part of ministry. But when I first got called into ministry and I left about 75% through an engineering degree, the guy who discipled me, he said, why do you want to build a bunch of stuff that God's just going to burn up in judgment day anyways? He said, it's better that you busy yourself putting something into eternity. So I have the greatest job on the planet because I'm storing up treasure in heaven. And so I just want to invite you. 
If you're on our serve team, I want you to know God recognizes you. If nobody ever pats you on the back, nobody ever says thank you, nobody ever says good job, and I hope that's happening. God sees every sacrifice, every gift, every time you invest, every prayer you pray, God sees it. If you tapped out because of COVID, because a lot of people did, and you're like, you're coming back and you're getting engaged, I just want to invite you to find another place to serve. Get back in the game. We need you, but you need the opportunity because that's where you find grace. That's where you store up treasure. If you're here and you've been here for weeks, months, or years, you've never locked in, this is a great opportunity. We can find community here and purpose here together. That we have a God who's got a plan to fix this broken mess. And we get to partner with him. Here's the crazy thing. He's got all the skin in the game. I don't really bring much, but I'm thankful for my role. And you can find a role too. If you want to find a place, all you got to do today is text SERVEFC to 97000. If you're online, you can do the same thing. Serve FC to 97,000. I'm just going to tell you right away that at some point we're going to invite you to be a part of Grow You. If you've never done that, you'll need to. You can come tonight at 6 p.m., Wednesday night at 6 p.m., either one of those and go through. You can do it online at your own pace. But find your place where you feel like you're a part of something. Feel like you're making a difference. And let's store up treasure for the reward to come. Father, we love you, God. I pray in the name of Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, not just by my words. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would really understand the significance that, God, we can contribute when we take who we are, when we take what you've given us, and we leverage it for your kingdom, when we use it for your glory. I pray, God, all those who are weary and tired, I pray, God, just refresh us today. I pray all those who, God, are putting all of our eggs and all of our time and talent, God, into this temporary basket, that, God, we would start storing treasure in heaven. God, knowing that you see every sacrifice. And so, Lord, I pray you push us. I pray you pull us and you, God, inspire us to find our place to serve. We can be a part of something bigger and greater in participating in what you're doing on this planet. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. God bless you guys, man. We'll see you next week for the final week of P's and Q's.